Hello, travelers. This is Paula Schmidt, and welcome to my theater of the mind, Evening's Kingdom. Today's episode is a bit different, so I'm an asshole. I have that whole episode about Fern that I still need to record for you. But in the meantime, I've recorded two more interviews, one with Justin Boer, an Ayurvedic chef on living, loving, and learning from the leaves, and another with Baker Manning, she of below deck fame, talking all about her beautiful peregrinations around the world, the mind, and more. But what I feel like today is sharing something else. I mentioned a few shows back that I was recording in our schoolie in our dear friend Abby's driveway. Incidentally, Abby, I would like to dedicate this episode to you. It's so funny where ideas for books come from. We were in Columbia, South Carolina, and on the way to Abby's house, I saw this sign for a cafe. It was the craziest name for a cafe I have ever seen. I couldn't get it out of my head. And that night, I had this dream for a brand new epic fantasy series. For now, I'll just say it's like The X-Files with witches and time travel all centering around this cafe. The name is a secret for now, unless you are one of my free email subscribers. I am seeking early readers for this new story now and I'll be sending out a call via my email list. So if you would like to number yourself among them, please visit eveningskingdom.com, click the tab titled Get Book One for Free, and enter your email. Boop! I will send you your free copy of Book One of Evening's Kingdom, and as soon as this first installment of my new dark epic fantasy series for adults is ready in the next couple weeks, if you'd like, I'll pass that along to you for your thoughts as well. I'd love to put early readers' input deeply into the story, maybe even include a few Easter eggs, fun things like that. So if you're a fantasy fan who likes the X-Files, Neil Gaiman, my lady, the queen of the night, Anne Rice, random monsters of the week and time travel, do count yourself in. If you are from today's future yourself, listening to the show, and it's been a few years since I first posted this, come over to eveningskingdom.com and sign up with me anyway. Because guys, this is forever. I'm going to do this forever. I love doing this. I love sharing stories with you. And so whatever I'm working on, I'm always going to be looking for first readers. I'm always going to be releasing a lot of books you can buy epic fantasy and otherwise stories you can listen to and more and I love sharing it with you another obsession of late which is actually a long-running obsession and uh, what this entire episode is about is journaling journaling changed my life it helps you process things it helps you remember or realize who you want to be how you want to be. During hard times in relationships, in marriages, when you're grieving or just down, but also when you're feeling really centered and you want to grow, to invite in more growth, 
There's nothing like pen and paper, and you don't have to keep it. You can tear it all up so that no one on earth can ever see it. But even if you tear it up, I promise, what you learned will stay with you, and it helps so much. P.S. I am sorry about the dog barking in the background. He's, um, yeah, he's very dedicated to his practice, so... Um, Anyway, I've been sharing journaling prompts with my email subscribers, just things I'm working with and journaling with, and the response has been uh, really lovely, staggering, actually. I didn't realize so many people were reading, and I had uh, no idea so many people cared. If you're one of the people who wrote in, thank you so much. It's meant a lot to connect with you. And um, I, I know some of what we're connecting with is pain, but I'm glad to have this bridge to one another and hopefully to walk uh, towards healing together. Our world is changing at lightning speed, and that's always been true, but every day she seems to turn just a little bit faster. So to have the solace, the anchor of pen and ink at some point in your day it really helps, and also, it's free therapy. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit here more in case it can help someone. How to start journaling, how journaling helps with stress, how some people start journaling for anxiety, and also to share some journaling prompts. So, firstly, inquiring minds want to know, specifically Abby's, we were walking after coffee recently and she mentioned She'd love to journal, but she doesn't really know how to start. So anytime you're starting a habit, it's a good idea to start doing it the very first thing in the morning, at least for 30 days. You don't always have to do it first thing in the morning, but those first 30 days are just so that you can create a really deep groove for your new habit, enough to really explore it and see if you even like it to begin with. So the night before, put out your pen and paper. It doesn't have to be nice paper. It doesn't have to be a nice pen. If you're the kind of person who like really fumbles around in the morning or whatever, it just helps a lot to already have found these things. And if you're a caffeine person, maybe you get out your caffeine utilities and put them with your pen and paper as well. You could even put them on a little tray in your kitchen or something so that in the morning it's easy to mobilize. That night, Set your alarm a little early for the next morning, maybe 20 minutes earlier than you usually would get up. Then make your coffee, herbal tea, or whatever, and you take your pen and paper outside, if at all possible. It's good to expose your organism to daylight first thing in the morning. And this will help set your circadian rhythm so it's easier to wake up and do this tomorrow. I swear this helps so much. One of those little joyful tweaks and just mess around, pen and paper, for as long as it takes you to drink your coffee or your tea. Here's some ideas for journaling prompts. First of all, you can doodle. You can write five things you're grateful for. You can write down what you're wishing for and why. What is your reason for this journey? Whatever. You can write down your biggest fear and the 10 things you would do if it came true. 
Write down some of the experiences and feelings that you'd like to enjoy this week, maybe even for this season. For example, if it's summer, maybe write down your five favorite summertime sounds, and then try to consciously cultivate time to listen to one of those sounds, even just for a minute. There's not any rules, and no one ever has to see what you write. It's probably better if they don't, because this is not a performance. This is a gift to yourself, and thereby the world. Because how can we love each other? How can we create a more loving and peaceful world if we don't love ourselves first? Alone with your thoughts is a great way to really be this. My friend, the artist Hannah Shoup, this is one of her amazing phrases. Don't do the work, be the work. And this brings me to another point. I have also talked with people who like to journal, they like the idea of it, but they feel like sometimes they get onto a really dark path, like a shame spiral or just a dark spiral. They can't figure out how to escape once they open up this dark trajectory and they feel nervous about starting. So here's the thing. If that's something that you're facing, a format can be really good. Now, Maybe you follow this specific format, this framework, for 30 days. And I have three journaling frameworks you might consider. The first is from Byron Katie, and it really helps you to process anything. This is great for anyone, anything, any state of mind, I promise you. It is incredibly profound and healing. The second is from Melody Beatty. All the links to the practices that follow are included on my show notes on eveningskingdom.com so you don't feel like you have to write all this down. You can just listen and then go to eveningskingdom.com, click the interviews tag, and then under categories on the right-hand side, click journaling prompts. Uh, The second framework is from Melody Beatty, and this is all about releasing the deep, deep subconscious resistance that we all have to making our greatest dreams come true. And we end up sabotaging our own greatest desires. Her method is crazy simple and it works. The third framework is something I did at my darkest point. It was hard, but it brought me an incredible amount of peace and growth. And incidentally, it seemed to help a lot of people around me my favorite people in the world. So if you are being through something awful, I'm sorry you're going through it. But please do hang in there because this third practice may be especially of interest to you. And may you find peace. Thing one, I want you to check out Byron Katie. She has four questions which she calls the work. You can visit thework.com where she has them available freely, every step of which is a deep meditation. I'm going to read you her questions, but you should absolutely visit her website, maybe watch her on YouTube or listen to her podcast, or best of all, read her wonderful book, Loving What Is, to let Byron Katie really, truly take you into it. So what she does is have you write down a statement that is troubling you. This can be about yourself or about another. She calls this judging your neighbor. Her questions are, one, is it true? Two, 
Can you absolutely know that it's true? Three, how do you react when you believe that thought? Four, who would you be without that thought? Because of course, we are not our thoughts, but it is complex sometimes to detach from them. And then here comes the lovely twist. It's actually five questions. Now you're going to turn your first statement around. And this is a little bit more fidgety. Like I said, you should check her out for her to explain it, but I'll share an example, which is super personal. Most of our peers are pregnant or have small children. And of course, people want to know our own plans around this. And we've had three losses, as I've mentioned before. I have several autoimmune diseases, which I've been able to bring more or less into remission. Still, Western medicine doesn't understand why these things happen. And so the root cause may still be in me, slash in our food supply. For years, I've blamed myself subconsciously and consciously for having these things. But recently, uh, sadly, yet another woman in my family was diagnosed with it. So now I'm trying to do the harder work of just being honest with myself that this is not something I caused or something that I can fix necessarily. (laughs) Although that's hard for me to say out loud, you can probably tell. I'm trying to practice more gratitude, forgetting to be alive a while longer because not so very long ago, I would have died when I was 20. Now all this to say, I know children are in our future, but not via the orthodox route and therefore not anytime soon. So these questions, when people push, invariably make me feel angry and sad. That's my first statement for Byron Katie's work. But I've realized through her questions and the turnaround, right? Like you turn around that statement. Like I feel angry and sad when people push me and when are you guys going to have kids? Oh, you, you know, my friend had eight miscarriages and now they have a healthy baby. <laughs> Um, I've realized through turning it around that I actually feel angry and sad at my body. Moreover, I had no idea that I felt this way. I've suppressed it that much. I have disallowed myself that much. I would never have realized this, or maybe not for many years. And once you can see it, the soul of your issue, Only then can you start to really be the work that you most badly need. I don't want to go too off topic here. This whole particular issue I mentioned is something I shared with my subscribers already. So you guys, thanks for listening here again. But if you haven't read the full story yet and you want to read more about the process that really, really helped me, visit eveningskingdom.com and click the Get Book One link. I've shared this whole story there along with the yellow brick road of journaling prompts that helped me to release a good bit of an emotional pain body I didn't even realize I had wafting around me. Journaling changed my life. Journaling helps. I just can't say it enough. Framework two. Melody Beatty, that's B-E-A-T-T-I-E. Melody Beatty has done 
so much for the world, has helped so many people to heal. And she also has a free journaling practice that she wants to disseminate everywhere. She says on her website to share, share, share this practice, which I admire so much. But she has also written about it thoroughly in her wonderful book, Make Miracles Happen in 40 Days. This is a gratitude practice with a deep spin that you may never have heard of. It's a six-week action plan. This is from the description on her book, which I own and I treasure. It says, a six-week action plan challenging us to practice her miracle exercise for 40 days. She instructs listeners to complete a daily gratitude list, which includes what they don't like about their lives provides a series of activities that will help them recognize what miracles they want to create. It is crucial, she shows, to be grateful for what we have and what we are, not what we want or wish we were. So here's what you do. You wake up and you write down 10 things that you're grateful for, including the bad and difficult things. For example, you might say, I'm grateful I feel so sad today about the mess that is my life. I'm grateful I'm so far from where I want to be. I'm grateful that I can see where I want to be. Even though it feels far away, I'm grateful that the journey there is one I want to take. I'm grateful I'm on this journey. I'm grateful for this black, (laughs) black coffee and that today is a new day. I'm so grateful today is a new day and that I can be whoever I want to be today. I'm grateful to be who I am, even though I am not perfect. I'm not perfect and I don't want to be perfect and I am really grateful for that. You can see how this goes. And what happens is by acknowledging the shitty stuff, the really difficult spiky stuff, letting it be there, you dissolve your resistance to it. And then the energy can move. And so it does. I can't tell you how much this helps. And some days you might find yourself writing a list of 20 things. Other days it might be hard to get to 10, but do it. Commit to this and see what happens. Again, you can tear it all up. Quick side note on this. If you've lost somebody and you're grieving, she understands about that deeply because she lost her son in a tragic accident. Uh, And she says, of course, you will never be grateful that you lost that person. She says specifically, do not write those words. Uh, But you could, for example, say, I am grateful that I love him so much that this feels so hard, things of that variety. Uh, A companion reader to this practice, if you're having relationship troubles, I mean, who doesn't after the honeymoon period, is a great book called It Takes One to Tango by Winifred M. Riley. Change and growth can only ever come from within ourselves. I'm being super naked here with you guys because let's be honest, there are difficult times in life and those are hard on our companions too. Life is suffering and staying present for the light that gets in through the cracks, right? 
but at a difficult moment, if you end up walking that deeper walk, if it's meant to be, your beloved will still be there beside you on the other side of the woods, deeper into the valley, and together on the road you were always meant to go on for just a little while longer. Now, <laughs> a quote comes to mind. Once upon a time, the Buddha said, in the end, only three things matter. How much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. In my journal from around this time, I found something beautiful. I, uh, I'd written down a conversation with a friend, a conversation I'd totally forgotten about. Um, I found it when I was researching some things in the third framework I'm about to tell you about. But um, at the time of this conversation, I was still struggling, and all this work was starting to open up space in the most wonderful way. I was staying really present. I was working to listen very deeply. And my husband and I, we'd had a beautiful night <laughs> and we were healing. And this is what I wrote about it. We made tacos and watched Walk With Me, a movie about Thich Nhat Hanh and his Buddhist monastery. We fell asleep snuggled and he held my hands with both of his. And there was this beautiful part in the movie where this young girl asked how she could not be so sad after a loss. And Thich Nhat Hanh said she could look at a cloud and when it was gone, realize that it was not really gone. It was the rain. It was her tea. Our marriage isn't gone. It's just the rain. It's our tea. It's all around us. It's love. And love is brave. <laughs> I'm so happy sharing these things with you. They help me so much, and I hope that they'll mean as much to you. And I'd, I'd completely forgotten that story. Framework three. All right, so this is journaling practice combined with meditation and supplementation. A few years ago, when I was at the lowest rung on my own personal ladder to hell, it felt like everything was crashing down because it was. My whole world was coming down. I'd failed at everything I'd put my heart and soul into. And I didn't know what to do. My writing was a failure. My career was a failure. I'd had these miscarriages and my husband the person I adored most in all the world, we were in a bad place. We loved each other desperately, but we were also, let's say, mutually furious with one another, and it was a mess. I'm not going to discuss specifics because you know what? It's his story to tell too, and this is something I've always struggled with in regards to memoirs. A single perspective cannot help but be flawed. Anyway, so that's the picture. That's where I was. And this is what helped. This is like journaling deluxe. I've taken a major turn on this. 
A quick and serious caveat, I am not a doctor of any kind. I am just a curious organism and this does not constitute medical advice. Some of what I'm about to mention is not legal everywhere yet. So all of what follows is just for entertainment purposes. If it's something that you're interested to learn more about, there is so much incredibly knowledgeable support out there from health practitioners and so on. Tons of books and documentaries, fantastic fungi, how to change your mind. If you're feeling a ping on this, do your research. I'm going to link a ton of stuff in the show notes, many enjoyable rabbit holes for you to tunnel into. Anyway, I did my research and this was the path that I chose. For four weeks, I combined the Paul Stamets stack with 20 minutes of meditation and then I did the Melody Beatty gratitude journaling practice after that. Okay, so let me break that down. Four days a week, every morning, I got up and I did the Paul Stamets protocol, usually outside, meditated for 20 minutes, and then I journaled. That was four days a week. The other three days a week, I took a tolerance break and just meditated and journaled in the morning outside instead. The Paul Stamets stack has been written about extensively. You ingest a small therapeutic amount of dried psilocybin, 0.1 gram, in conjunction with five grams of lion's mane mushroom and 100 milligrams of niacin. Theoretically, this helps to bring about neurogenesis in the brain, enhances cognition, possibly prevents dementia, and especially in combination with meditation and journaling. It is incredibly powerful for rerouting habits of mind, especially anxiety and depression. I did that and I did the Melody Beatty gratitude practice for 40 days, like she says. And the first day doing it was um, really, really sad. I don't even know how many horrible feelings and facts that I had to write down I was grateful to be feeling. But by the end of however many pages, I was grateful for birdsong, for the sun on my face, and to be alive. By the end of the four weeks, I can't remember exactly because I tore all these up, but I was myself again, more or less. Uh, I definitely shed some skin. That was profoundly helpful. But I am, I'm a little bit of a crazy person though. And I wanted, I wanted to do more work. So I, I did a six-week dieta, and I ate super, super, super clean. No caffeine, sugar, supplements, any plant medicine whatsoever, no gluten, no meat, no spices, no booze. The idea behind this dieta being to make my body as clean and welcoming a space for what came next. I attended a meditation retreat, which also involved the great goddess Ayahuasca, which I've already talked about here a good bit. She helped me so much. She gave me the story of Evening's Kingdom and an incredible solace. And I've continued journaling on and off ever since. And in general, I live just a little bit more lightly in the world with a little bit more gratitude and sense of the sacred. And no small part of that 
is for the connection that I love with you, my dear travelers, on this strange and beautiful quest of this, our incarnation. I like to think of us as little mycelial blooms of the divine. And you are never alone. I love you. And this is Polishment. Thank you so much for listening. Visit eveningskingdom.com and sign up for your free copy of book one for these free weekly journaling prompts that I'm mentioning here. And uh, yeah, let me know if you would enjoy being a first reader for my new epic fantasy audiobook, which is in process now. Feels so good. Just click get book one for free and it will hop you to the sign up page. I also have lots of interesting things to check out. Books you can buy, including the first dark fantasy I ever wrote, which also explores worlds of mind. So click around, buy some books, and in our next episode, I promise, I will take you deep into Fern's world in Evening's Kingdom. Please stay tuned. The rest of the story is just down the road.